Welcome to Jen and Juice. We are two sisters who grew up humbly in the trailer park and in Sunday school, where we weathered the storms of kitchen scissor bangs, purity culture, fundamentalism, culottes, flannel boards, and fellowship hall potlucks. We remain devout to Jesus as we continue to wrestle out our faith with fear and trembling. We hope to provide a safe space to have real, raw conversations about everything and nothing, this and that, the secular and the sacred, you know, the juxtaposition of all things life. We want to use what the Lord has given us. Snark, quick wit, hard-earned wisdom. We promise to show up wobbly on some days, strong on other days. We aim to be a refreshing palate cleanse in a world starving for hope and light. We're like therapy you can afford. Because we're free. So welcome to Gin and Juice. We're We're here here to help help a sister and brother out. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're so glad that you're here for our second installment of Vacation Bible School. Yeah, it's like day two. Woo! How are y'all doing? Or have you memorized Isaiah 43 two yet? We sure hope so. If not, there's still time. That's right. How do you memorize scripture, Jess? Oh, I'm just old school. I don't really have any any really good recommendations. I write it on, on cards, Yeah, you know, like three by five cards, and I stick it in everywhere yeah on, on mirrors in the car um, on my dash wherever um and i just read it and read it and read it and then i'll do line by line mm-hmm. so that's just kind of that's my well, how about you anything i do that too and then if i'm having a really hard time or i get them mixed up i come up with like hand gestures because i'm so used to doing it with the kids yeah so i'll do like a few hand gestures for major words in a line yes that way i'll remember like okay this line is this hand gesture and then it just kind of sparks that memory jenny is so good about doing this with her girls so i'm gonna i'm gonna try that it's fun and plus some of the way the hand gestures they come up with i'm like well that's not what that means but okay (laughs) but you remember i'm sure bubba has some questionable hand gestures oh bless oh bubba Okay, so uh, by the way, when we were growing up in church, um, the church we went to, we did not refer to our teachers as Mrs. or Mr. It was uh, Brother Jeremy and Sister Jenny. Yep. So from henceforth and forevermore in our VBS episodes, I will refer to you as Sister Jen, (laughs) and I would like to be Sister Juice. (laughs) What? (laughs) We just... Started a cult. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, you have to wear culottes in our cult. With with nylons. With some nylons, yes, yes. yes. So, um, Sister Jen, would you like to introduce our story? Last week, give us a little recap, remind us what we learned about in week one of VBS. Okay, so VBS week one was a fire story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. So we talked about how trials can come as fire, literally. And so then we had a week of uh, recapping with our sisters on the same page. Yes. And so now we are back to VBS week two. Yes. And we did fire first. So now we're going to do a water story. So today we're going to do the story of Noah. God said to Noah, going to build me an arky, arky. God said to Yeah. That would have been a song that we would have sang in large group if this were truly like our theme. Oh, man. I'm going to try to find that song where I have, I can have 
not be sued, but like get the copyrights yeah. and play it here for y'all. If I can find it and not be sued for playing it here, I will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we used to sing that. Uh, build me an Arky Arky. Build it out of hickory barky barky children of the Lord. <laughs> So let's all rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. I used to wake my girls up to that song every day. I did too when Emery was little. Yeah, they loved to hate it. Oh, yeah. It's a good song. Especially on Monday. Yeah. What's what's another verse? Um, God said to Noah, I'm going to send down a floody, floody. <laughs> Get my children yes. out of the muddy, muddy uh-huh. children of the Lord. Yeah, we definitely sound like we're running a cult. Yeah. Um, what Drink else? this Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, okay, I have to stop right here and tell y'all what our snack is for today. Okay. Okay, so obviously, if we're having BBS, you get you get the good snacks. Mm-hmm. So last week, we forgot to tell y'all what the snack was. So my friend, our, our very good friend, Sister Diana, mm-hmm. Sister Di, who's been a children's pastor for all the years, sent me a message and she said, you forgot to announce the snack. Uh, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's episode, y'all should have been serving hot tamales. Oh, dang. And what are they called? The Fire, flaming hot flaming Cheetos. Hot Cheetos. Diarrhea Cheetos. Yes. yes. <laughs> flaming Hot Cheetos. And so we Love just... That. Yeah. And maybe like Big Red, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, so today, I think you have to serve Blue Ocean Water for oh, the drink. From Sonic. From Sonic. Yeah. Come on. Blue Ocean Water, Sonic. Uh-huh. Um, oh, it's that. It's like blue coconut sprite mm. it almost tastes like it's so good it's yep. so refreshing and for the food what gummy sharks gummy sharks um, baby shark baby shark oh look at us we're bringing you the songs and everything we're theming it out yeah Noah shark I don't know we are dumb do 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 um, so, okay, so I think we've got all that covered perfectly. Excellent job, Jenny. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Sister Jen was also a children's pastor at one time. So, uh, and she's a children's pastor every day in her home. Oh, yeah. Have so. to wrangle them little sinners. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so I think we're all set. Everybody has their snack. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope you're enjoying your blue ocean water and your sharks, mm-hmm. gummy sharks. And now we are going to dive into the story of Noah. So, right. Sister Jen, why don't you take us into the scriptures? Okay, we're going to be in Genesis, which is the very first book of the Bible. And we will start in chapter 6, verse 1. And we're going to kind of do it a little bit different because this story is kind of chunked into into sections, parts. And there's a lot of scripture, so we're going to chunk it so that it's not so overwhelming and then we forget what we read. So, the first chunk we're going to do is Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. So if you'll take your copy of the scriptures, there's them pages of turning. And again, Jessica and I both have uh, NIV, so you just go with whatever uh, version you like. And if you're looking for a version that we highly recommend, I actually love um, reading out of the CSB. CSB as in boy? Um, CSB, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Christian Standard, Standard Bible. Bible. Yes, okay. it's my favorite right now. Um, yeah, I just need to get a leather copy. 
how dare you them digital we love digital copies by the way totally oh my gosh yes (laughs) okay so genesis chapter 6 verse verses 1 through 13 When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim, or... How else have you heard that said? The Nephilim. Nephilim or Nephilim. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I say, I say Nephilim, but you can say it how you want. Okay. The Nephilim, Nephilim, were on the earth. i got to turn my physical page. In those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Mm-hmm. The Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth." Mm. Okay, that's some heavy stuff right there. So let's piece this out a little bit. Um, we start right in the beginning, and and God is looking at people. Mm-hmm. He is looking at humankind, and He is like they are so wicked. Which is so sad because the very like all of His creation, He said it's good, it's good, and mm-hmm. it's good, it's good, it's good. Mm-hmm. Then He makes Adam and Eve, and He says it's very good, very good. And so He goes from that to like. Dadgummit, yes. I regret this. Like, whoa, what a turn. Yes, we are in chapter 6 of Genesis, but okay, let's look at it in context of what timeline this is. So from creation to now to Noah is about a thousand years. Okay. Okay, so when Noah's born, um, creation the creation story happened a thousand years before. So five chapters contains a thousand years. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so and the Bible's clear. Yeah, the Bible's totally clear. I mean, it's clear, Jennifer. Crystal. Um, and what was interesting was if you go, if you bump up to chapter five, it talks about the fact that Noah's dad, Lamech, um, was... You mean Lamech? Lamech. <laughs> yes. Was 777 years old when he died. Dang. Okay. And also, um, biblical numbers sometimes hold meaning. So the number seven, perfect completion, 777, there's something to that, that he had lived this really good, righteous life, Mm -hmm. right? And he has this son, Noah. Well, Noah is 500 years old at this time. Right. When we start the story. When we start the story. 500 years old. And so when God is looking at humanity and he's like, 
okay, I'm going to shorten your years. Mm-hmm. And he says, now the the oldest lifespan is going to be 120 years. He is shortening this down for us. And maybe you're a biblical literalist um, and you, you read it and you're like, that's exactly what happened. Great. You can, you can believe that. And maybe you're not. That's okay, too. Mm-hmm. One thing that we just recently talked about was like fact versus truth. Yes. I'm a very fact-oriented person. Yes. And so when I read facts in the Bible or that I think are facts, mm-hmm. sometimes they trip me up because I'm like, well, it says this number, so it has to be this number. Yep. But even if it's not, if it's yes. a symbol, That's because right. the Bible is full of numerical symbols. That's right. Is that numerology? Technically, yeah, it's a study of numbers. Right. But it doesn't mean we're worshiping the numbers, no. okay? They're symbols. That's right. But even if it's not, it doesn't change the truth of That's who right. God is. That's right. So if you are like me and you're very fact-driven, fact-oriented, don't let those things trip you up like it's done me my whole life. And don't be afraid to ask those questions either, because who cares if he did live, you know, 70 years. That's right. That's still a long life. You can That's have right. a complete life in 70 years. That's so, right. Fact uh, versus truth. It's di- They're different. Thank you. And I appreciate that. And if you're a biblical literalist, then that what Jenny just said just scared you to mm-hmm. death. Um, and it doesn't have to. No. You can still believe how you want to believe. But to the person who's going, I don't know that I think that everything is literal uh, and exact. It's it's not history necessarily because right. <laughs> there's a thousand years between some chapters that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. So this is not a historical account necessarily. Um, and, and I've definitely changed my view of Scripture through the years. And when you start to pull the thread there's that fear when you've only learned it one way. When you've been a biblical literalist mm-hmm. for your whole life, you're like, oh my gosh, well, if I pull this thread, is God still who He says He is? He is. Mm-hmm. He is. His truth, the truth about Him and the story of humanity, it's it still stays and remains true. Right. And we can be faithful to God's Word, even if we're not sure that every word of it was, was He really 777? Well, the Scripture says that. So whatever that means... Mm-hmm. I believe that that means that this man, that that represents that he he was holy and righteous and that he lived a long life. Well, yeah, he had a full, a complete yes, life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so we start here and we see that God is like, okay, partly he's going to punish humankind by shortening their days. Mm-hmm. Now, I find this, even in that, before he even says, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth, he is already prophesying in this thing. In this judgment, that he is still going to let humans live yeah. and populate the earth. He's actually not going to wipe all of humankind away. Right. And so, right at the jump, when you start into this, because people will get into the story of the flood and they're like, how could God just kill everybody? Mm-hmm. What, what, how, how can I trust a God? that sees their wickedness and their unrighteousness, and He wipes everybody out. I say, turn on the news. Amen. And I say, look at the fact that He didn't wipe everybody out. You and I are here today because He didn't. Mm -hmm. He built redemption and mercy and grace, even in His judgment. Right. He is good, Mm -hmm. y'all. He is good. Okay, so one of the things we need to kind of break down in these first few verses, because it's kind of weird, the, the verbiage. So I'm going to kind of reiterate yep. some of these, This this uh, where we start in verse 
two, right here from the jump, that says the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Okay, first of all, this is pointing to, this is what's leading to him judging. Mm -hmm. In in the next verse, he's like, and because they were so immoral, I'm I'm going to shorten the length of their days. Well, there's nothing immoral about getting married to beautiful women. Right. God has already set up in Genesis 1 through 3 that like man and woman are going to be together and we're going to procreate and we're going to have babies and we're going to be committed to each other. We're going to help each other. We're going to love each other, be faithful to each other. All these things are set up. So there's nothing wicked about marriage, Mm -hmm. right? Of course not. So there's something going on here. And this is where you got to get into the word play because he talks about the sons of God. Okay. This is not like angels. Mm-hmm. What this is pointing to, most biblical scholars think, is these were righteous men. These were people that identified as God's children. These were people hmm. that were faithful to God, the sons of God. And they were looking on the daughters of men, meaning they were looking lustfully one to, with wantonness upon women who did not follow God. Mm. They followed the pagan gods of the time. Unequally yoked. Unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. And they were intermarrying. And apparently taking multiple wives. Mo- okay, yes. Another thing that was happening was polygamy. And God did not, he never absolutely um, uh, abolished it, but he kept telling his people, like, have one wife, Mm -hmm. like, have one wife. And they were disobedient in that over and over again. But in this sense where they are intermarrying, there's something else on a deeper level that was probably going on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that they were marrying. They, if, if this was all it was, well, they were marrying and then they were worshiping other gods, which yeah. he ain't going to have. Right. He, he's, he's not going to put up with that. He is jealous for our hearts and, and our attention and our worship. He, he ain't having that. But... Um, there's probably something worse going on than just that. Mm-hmm. And so we have to kind of look into the next few verses. So we're going to go on down and we're going to look uh, under kind of the microscope at verses 4, 5, and 6. So verse 4 says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth and his heart was filled with pain. And that's when he decides I'm wiping mankind off the earth. Okay, so I want to take you into some... Jessica's a nerd and has things typed out. <laughs> Did you hear her her three ring binder? <laughs> but first of all, she would get so like annoyed at me because I write handwrite notes 
And she's like, okay, mama, where's your, like, you know, your big chief tablet? I'm like, guess what? I'll never, ever lose it in the web, interwebs. Yeah, it's true. And now look at me with my... But I could lose it in a house fire, so... That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so what I just pulled my notes out of my notebook. Okay, so... We, talk, we start talking about the Nephilim, and we're like, what is the Nephilim? How does it tie to this, the, the sons of God, the, the daughters of men, the Nephilim? These are the ones that are named. And something is wrong with the whole scenario. So mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to dig out and figure out. What was so wrong that grieved the heart of God to want to wipe out mankind because of these three people groups? So we got to figure out what the, who the Nephilim were. Well, there's a lot of scholarly debate. A lot of people, we're just, we're never going to necessarily know this side of heaven, but there are some theories. Um, and Nephilim actually translates and possibly means the fallen ones. Mm-hmm. So there is one whole thought process that some of the fallen angels um, were on the earth and that they took human wives and right. created this race. Now, that is not what most biblical scholarly people believe mm-hmm. really happened. I do not believe. I was taught that growing mm-hmm. up in church. And I was actually taught that as like, that was the scenario, mm-hmm. not that was one of these trains of thoughts. That's um, why I think that um, superheroes can be real. <laughs> I mean, totally. Totally. Why not? Totally. Kryptonite. Absolutely. I mean, it could be real. It could be. It, it could be. It, that's where mermaids. Could, mermaids. Mermaids come from the Nephilim. I don't know. There's I mean, lots of weird theories. They could have been wiped out in the flood. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's one theory. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not our theory. Um, it also traditionally, the ne- word Nephilim traditionally means giants. Mm-hmm. So in the book of Numbers verses, uh, or chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, when they're going into Jericho, the spies go in and they see these big, big, huge warriors and they call them the Nephilim and they're calling them the giants. They're this giant race. Um and it was a group, and it was a group in numbers at that time living in Canaan, and they were considered mighty men of renown, mm-hmm. and they were warriors, and they contributed to the violence on the earth. Mm. So no matter what they were, they held a physical superiority, they held a, a ruling warrior, uh, what's it called, military uh, superiority and power but they were contributing to the violence of the earth. Instead of ruling with all their power and authority and all the gifts they had been given, and instead of helping people, they were not. Right. They were crushing them. They were crushing them. Mm-hmm. And God saw that as abhorrent. Um, okay, so it is clear. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. This was a this is a quote out of one of my um, commentaries. And it's actually out of the the ESV um, commentary, and it says it is clear that the kind of relationship described here between the sons of God and these daughters of men and the Nephilim, okay, this relationship involved some sort of some sort of grievous sexual perversion, wherein the sons of God saw and with impunity took any woman they wanted, and so you see a sequence of sin happening that we saw. All the way back in Genesis um, chapter 2, chapter 3, the fall in chapter 3, where man, mankind saw 
and they saw something that was good and they took Mm. for themselves. And now that Genesis 3 pattern of sin that will corrupt fully and always on this earth was back in Genesis 6 where the people of God saw something that was good, beautiful women, and they took. Hmm. And it was abhorrent in the sight of God. Now, uh, also for my commentary, I just want to read you this part. It says, If the sons of God are viewed as kings or rulers, an alternative understanding of what taking wives meant uh, is this. Because taking a wife is not promiscuity. Right. It's not sinful. Taking a wife was not sinful or detestable to God. It was His idea and design. God told the people to be fruitful and multiply. The alternative understanding of this phrase may be found in a practice in the Gilgamesh epic. Okay, Gilgamesh epic was a Mesopotamian um, uh, story that is well known. Uh, this is like English lit. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is if, if you're going to understand literature and ancient literature, you're going to understand the story of Gilgamesh. Okay, so there's an epic Gilgamesh uh, story, and the prime example of Gilgamesh, the leader and, and the protagonist of the story, um, he wanted to live forever. That was his whole thing, mm-hmm. but he made lots of mistakes along the way, bad choices. And the prime example of his tyranny was exercising the right of the first night with a new bride, which means, uh, and this comes out of of the Gilgamesh epic, it says, he will couple with the wife-to-be, he first of all, and the bridegroom after. So in other words, Gilgamesh was the king, the ruler, and when it was a man was marrying a woman, if he saw her and thought that she was beautiful, he would go in and have sex with her, before the groom did. Ew. Ew is absolutely right. Gross, detestable. But these were the practices of people groups that actually lived on the earth. Who did this? Who did this at this time frame. So it could have been that when these people of God began to stray from God, and take on the practices of neighboring peoples, then guess what they were also doing? This. The this, grotesque This practices. is grotesque practice, yes. And so the charge exhibited and proved against them is in verse 5. The evidence produced was incontestable. This is coming out of one of my commentaries. It says, God saw it. God saw what they were doing. And that was instead of a thousand witnesses. You don't need a thousand witnesses when God sees it. Mm -hmm. They were on trial. They were being judged. God sees all the wickedness among the children of men. And it cannot be concealed for him now. And if it's not repented of, it will not be concealed by him shortly. Mm -hmm. In other words, God will reveal it to deal with it. It will not stay concealed. And it says their wickedness was this great. Um, okay. Oh. So you've said the word commentaries a couple of times. Yes. For those who don't know what a commentary is, because you've said a couple different different types of commentaries yes. or from different sources. Yes. So what is a commentary and how is it used? Okay. So a commentary is people commenting on scripture. It's interpretation of scripture. Sometimes um, 
commentators are people who have deep scholarly, biblical, historical literature backgrounds. And so they go in and they take scripture verse by verse a lot of times, sometimes it's chapter, paragraphs, whatever, and they will go in and literally comment based on um, their knowledge of the culture, maybe. Maybe it was the history that was going on at the time. Um, just like some of these commentators knew the history of the, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, hey, this very practice was used in another piece of literature mm-hmm. that could probably give us insight into what Scripture's talking like about here. Cross-referencing. Cross-referencing. So commentators are people with all these different um, scholarly backgrounds and they come together and they write whole volumes and then people like me who are nerds and love this we spend thousands of dollars buying (laughs) the software or buying the actual some of the the hardback books and keeping libraries so that we can go and understand and get just a better um understanding of knowledge especially for those of us who are teachers gotcha it keeps us accountable um for what we are teaching and and so a lot of times when we're reading these passages and stories of old or stories yes. like, I mean, just stories in general in the Bible, there's so many things, especially culturally, that I'm like, this doesn't make sense in what I'm reading because it's not in like, it doesn't make sense in my brain because that's not how we live. Yes. So that's a lot of times when I'm like, uh, I don't, I need to, I need more information. Yes. We go to these commentaries and we, we read them and it's literally puts them into cultural context that the quote i'm reading is out of the zondervan illustrated bible backgrounds commentary for the old testament so this is these are people these are bible scholars who are giving you insight Mm -hmm. into what was going on so when i start talking about the epic of gilgamesh don't freak out i'm not telling you there's another biblical sub-biblical text or nothing no i'm saying there were things going on at the same time because you're trying to look into history and understand as Jenny said, a cross reference. What what could this have meant in that time frame? Mm-hmm. And so this is what this most probably meant. So in other words, whatever they were doing, they were taking what was not theirs. Yeah. They were maybe taking the virginity of a bride. Jeez, on her wedding night. That's called rape. Yeah, she had no she had no authority to give consent. And he was in a position of authority. That's uh, disgusting. It's disgusting. It's a, it, it is. It's absolutely a sexual assault. Absolutely. So, so here's what this commentary says. Um, Their wickedness was great. That is, abundance of sin was committed in all places by all sorts of people. And such sin was in its own nature most gross and heinous and provoking. It was committed uh, daringly committed daringly like they knew this was pushing the boundaries of what was right and wrong and they went in it with this boldness and pride in heart and with a defiance toward heaven and no nor was any care taken by those that had power in their hands to restrain and punishment this is what God saw. I have chills. Mm-hmm. No care was taken by those that had the power in their hands to restrain and punish it. Ooh, let that be a word. I mean, I literally <laughs> need to shave my legs again. I have chill bumps <laughs> all over. So this is what was going on. This, And if this is the perversity of the rulers, mm. of those in charge of the people, 
then everybody is a victim. Oh, yeah. Everybody is vulnerable. It's just like, when's my day? That's right. When am I the victim? That's right. And this is what God could not stand, was watching His people made in His image treat one another with such sin. Man. Willful, bold sin. So he decided he was done. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't blame him. I know. And it goes on to say, why don't you read... Uh, would you read verses 6 through 8 for us? Mm-hmm. So chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, let me tell you this. Uh, When I was researching, okay, I'm going to take my notes out again. You don't hear me? Well, it doesn't help that our uh, recording studio <laughs> is basically like TV trays. <laughs> shut, shut up. They think we're fancy. <laughs> Dude, firewater trail. We ain't fancy. No. <laughs> okay. So in, in in the version Jenny just read out of, of the NIV, verse uh, chapter 6, verse 6 in Genesis says, The Lord was grieved uh, that he had made man on the earth. When you go back to the KJV, the King James Version, it says it in the original language, which was, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. It repented Mm. the Lord. So when you say original word, yes, does that mean that God spoke Old English? (laughs) Jessica. God originally spoke in Times New Roman font. Just kidding. <laughs> that is the actual lang- the font of the Holy Scriptures. Uh, no. Okay, good question, though. So in the original language, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, mm-hmm. Hebrew language. Mm-hmm. So in the Hebrew language, uh, we, we scribes had to uh, read that, and people translated, and we still have modern translators who take and, and translate because they've learned Hebrew in the Old Testament, and the New Testament was uh, written in Greek, and so then they translate to English. Um, they have to decide because the Hebrew language is so dense and right. thick and rich with meaning, and we're trying to pull one word out of this, it'll be a paragraph. I'll, right. I'll look up one word and it'll have a paragraph of what this means. Oh, I get lost in it and I love it. I know. We love it. We, Jenny and I love a word study. And so whenever it says this word, particularly it grieved God's heart, when you go back to the original language in Hebrew, the word that most perfectly really gets to the heart of what was happening was it says, it repented the Lord. That is crazy. That one slayed me. Yeah. You were and I were talking about this off air, but tell the tell our flies, tell our friends here at VBS, what does it mean to repent? It means to turn around. That's right. To turn away. And we view it as in, in a form of sin. Like mm-hmm. if you repent of your sin and become a born again believer, then, or just after you're a believer and you still sin, because we do. That's right. Um, when you repent, you turn around, like make a 180 and you 
turn away from your sin. That's right. But this isn't like God's sin. This doesn't mean that God sinned and he repented of of his of his shortcoming because he doesn't have shortcomings. Right. So that's why we were like, whoa, like God repented. He turned from this creation of his that's right because it was so vile it was so vile it was the sin of the people that Mm -hmm. he was turning his heart against so again it's sin it just wasn't his sin that's right we turn our hearts from our sin that's so it's so good um again out of one of my commentaries i wanted to read this to you it says this language because when you read this you're like oh my gosh does that mean god changed his mind oh good question and that's a great question because we're like no god never changes not today not tomorrow not forever he, he stays the same he remains the same well then how could he have changed his mind about this mm-hmm. okay so this commentary speaks to this and they said this language does not imply that any passion or uneasiness happened in god nothing can create disturbance in the eternal mind of god but this expresses his just and holy displeasure against sin and sinners against sin is odious to his holiness and against sinners as obnoxious to his justice he is pressed by their sins by excuse me he is pressed by the sins of his creatures wearied broken grieved and here grieved to the heart as men are when they are wronged and abused by those they have been very kind to and therefore men repent of their kindness and wish they had never fostered that snake in their bosom which now hisses in their face and stings them to the heart God repented that he made man, but we never find him repenting that he redeemed man. Because mm, he built redemption in before he, he sure did. Destroyed us. I love it. And then there's a verse in Romans eleven twenty nine that backs this up that God never grieves or repents that he redeems us and it says um romans eleven twenty nine says since god's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable which means not ever taken back he will never repent the gifts that he gives us the gift of salvation the spiritual gifts the gift of forgiveness the gift of mercy the gift of atonement um, his gifts and his calling on our lives are not ever going to be taken back. So any to anybody who thinks, oh gosh, I'm just like those sinners that God wanted to wipe off the face of the earth, and God is probably so upset with me that he is, He's repented that He ever created me, that is not true. He, he, his gift and His calling on your life, He is never going to feel that way about you. Yeah. So That's know that. That's mm-hmm. so good. Okay, so now... He's putting judgment on his people, though, Mm because it's bad. And so, except, and this is where the grace starts, except he was going to save one man, Noah. Noah. Okay, Jenny, you want to tell us a little bit about Noah? Get into that part of the story? Okay, so it says in Noah 6... Verse 9, it says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, So God tells Noah, he's like selecting Noah, going, Okay, you're going to be the family through which I redeem my people. Yes. And you're going to be the ones that I rescue. Yes. And you're going to do something for me. And here's what what I'm asking, what I'm telling you to do. That's right. You're going to build an ark. Yes. 
and it's going to have all these dimensions and it's going to be big. And um, I'm kind of upset about the fact that we know exactly how big the ark is. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't know the age of the animals on board. (laughs) I don't know if they can talk. I don't know if the communication between man and animal was still that they kind of cohabitated Mm -hmm. because y'all I'm thinking of like a lion and a lioness. I'm more afraid of the lioness because she's the hunter. Right. And so like, are we going to have like pure chaos on board? Like, what does it smell like? Right. I'm needing some more information here because my mind is like, this is unbelievable to me. Yeah. And it also never says anything about how good his family is. Right. And never says that his boys were like, oh, the pillars of society. That's right. And his wife was this gem. No. It doesn't say that. It says he was. That's right. So Noah was. Because of Noah's righteousness yes. that God saw and yeah. favored him, he saved his family. Yes. His, his, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Yeah, because they were married. Yeah. So... Yeah. Like it, but it never says anything about their families. So I'm like, were they jerks? Do they get along? Because right. this was going to be a long arc ride. Yes, along. Like they are shut up. Ultimately, it rains 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. But they are on the ark for about a year. Yeah. I, I read a lot of commentaries and a lot of numbers. And, and, and it was about a year, give or take some weeks. Well, yeah, because he was 600 when this thing started. Right. And then if you keep reading, he yes. was 601. That's right. That's exactly right. Good call. Yes. I love it. Okay. In the then right here, okay, just in case you start to get nervous about what God's about to do, um, in, in verse, I love it because he's like, uh, in, in verse 11, Jenny's just read through verse 10, in verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. Just a reminder, full of violence. This points back, the full of violence points back to the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. All the commentators are like, hey, that's a nod to the fact that these, these fighters, these warriors who were supposed to protect and bring peace we're causing allowing the violence and this just keeps coming up throughout when you read this and you're like oh why is scripture just repeating itself sometimes it's just to remind you mm-hmm. like god had a reason yeah he never forgot about what they were doing yeah even the hidden things and for some of y'all you know you have been dealing with some people with some hidden things that have hurt you have destroyed you destroyed your family destroyed a work environment destroyed a church a home or whatever and you're thinking is it ever going to get called to account god sees it all mm-hmm. he is long-suffering he is patient i don't even like the word patient i like long suffering he suffers a long time and puts up with us because he is gracious and because he is merciful and eventually though when our unrighteousness their unrighteousness does it we do not have a repentant heart he will allow it to be discovered and uncovered oh yeah always he just will so that we will repent not not to destroy us, not Mm-mm. to wipe us off the face of the earth, because he is always calling us to repentance. Mm-hmm. And so when you are but if you may be the one sitting there going, but they're living a great life and they're they're happy and they're doing better than I am, or whatever. It looks prettier on the outside than what I'm dealing with. God sees. God knows. And you can take all that to him. He ain't mad at you. No. Well, and I love, too, like we're seeing both sides of this. Like God's going, 
they're violent. They're violent. So he's not, he has not, like you said, he has not forgotten. That's right. But on this flip side, he's going, this is a plan. Hold your horses. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Like salvation's coming. It's not yes. going to look like what you think, though. That's right. So I'm working on it. You just got to, you know, put on your patient pants. That's right. And and let me do this thing that I'm doing. That's right. And so God's always working on our behalf for us. Yes. To restore us, to... Yes. Um, to rescue us. Absolutely. But sometimes all we can see is the violence. And yes. sometimes we're like, why aren't you doing anything? That's right. Well, sometimes the ark takes a while to be built. That's right. Oh, amen. Come on. Come on. And I love your question about the animals because you're like, God is so powerful. Like, really, use your imagination here like a child. Like, when they were going, all these animals, two by two, going onto the ark. And when you read this, it gets kind of confusing because it's like some of them came two by two, but some of them came seven by seven. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, I, we can explain that here in just a second. But the, they're going on the ark. You're like, did the Lord like put them in a trance? I know. Like kind of a hibernation where they were calm and they were like in Revelation, whenever it talks about like, we're going to be in heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. And like the lion will lay with the lamb. Mm-hmm. Well, like, was this almost a picture of that inside of the ark? Well, cause I go back to even like Adam and Eve, Adam and talking like the animals came before him and he named them. And I'm like, you're talking about some like grizzly bear. Right. <laughs> Right, you know. Right. So, what was it like back then? Because yes. I mean, this is this was a, a totally different time. So, my imagination is like God's so big yes. that He could have created a world where animal and man mm. cohabitated, and it wasn't this like I don't know, like Discovery Channel, like we see today, where right. um, if you are in the woods with somebody and there's a bear, you better make sure that you can outrun your friend. <laughs> Because someone's going to be snacked. That's right. And so I just, my mind is like, okay, so how did he do that for them? I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. Yes. And also, how did the freaking fly get on the ark? Oh, why? (laughs) And mosquitoes. I have so many questions for the Lord. I'm sure that won't be, you know, the first thing I, well, it probably will be. Yeah. Like, really, mosquitoes? Yeah, really. <laughs> He'll be like, uh, that is uh, uh, the, the fall. That is uh-huh, the curse. Uh-huh. He's like, sorry about you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love it. Okay, so so he calls he calls um, Noah to mm-hmm. build this ark. Noah must have looked like a madman building this ark. Uh, and people are like, what is rain? Yeah. Okay, because guess what? It had not what yet? It had not we had rain showers. No, no. So um, they were farmers. Yeah. Okay. Up until this point, they were given permission to eat of the plants of the earth. They were completely vegetarian. That was their diet. They did not eat animals yet. So they were all farmers. Mm-hmm. And how, so Jenny's going to kind of explain like how, I mean, how did vegetation grow? It was basically from like the groundwaters. Yes. It was, I mean, and you have to remember like this is not something that it's hard for us to fathom because we don't, we have to have the rain now and we have irrigation and we have all of these different systems. We have man-made wells. We have all of these things. When we think about it, where does the well come from? The, the core of the earth. That's I mean, right. we're talking like digging. That's right. And so before this, they didn't have to dig. It was That's like right. when, when they, there was dew, they knew what dew was. Yes. There must have been some mist or something like that, but actual rainfall was not, Mm-mm. had never been seen. They, so you think yes. about Moses and like, I'm sorry, Moses, Noah. Yes. And you're like, 
okay, yeah, no big deal. Like I would have done it. I would have built the ark too. No, you wouldn't have. Yeah. Because you would have been like, what is this rain thing I'm talking, I'm hearing about? Like you're going to flood the earth. Right. <laughs> right. Like, come on. Right. What's a flood? Right. <laughs> What's rain? Right. Because before like the, the ground, it, the, the groundwaters came up. Right. And it was enough and it, it sustained them. Yes. And so now they're hearing about this flood. Yes. And they're like, you're a blubbering idiot. Yes. Like you are a fool for wasting your time. Noah turned 500 and lost his dang mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's it, it it was not a common occurrence to go outside and raindrops keep falling on my head. That's no. Right. No. No. That's exactly right. Well well said. So, okay, where do we want to skip to in in the story? Okay. So, if you read through cuz there's a lot of like uh make it this cube, it make it this cube, it do this, you have to have an opening, but God is very specific about how he wants this ark built. So we're going to kind of skip some of that scripture because there's going to be a lot to read, but we definitely want you to go through and read in in, um, Genesis 6, the rest of 6, because he's very specific. And again, I ask, Lord, really? Mm -hmm. You wanted this in the Bible, and yet I can't find out what Jesus did up until he preached in the temple? I know. (laughs) I'm like, what about those 12 years? We want to know what's going on with little prepubescent Jesus. Yeah, and you can't have thrown a bone in there about how you got the animals in there come on (laughs) because my mind is like now i'm again superheroes right okay right totally um tranquilizer darts (laughs) maybe that's what the mosquito was maybe it went through and just like silenced them all because they were all miserable maybe so maybe it stung everybody and it had like yeah sleeping potion yeah stinger who knows? We get to imagine what we want. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we are going to go into um, verse chapter six at the end at verse 18. Or no, I'm sorry, 17. Yeah. I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter, enter the ark you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. And my friends um, Janelle and Aaron just heard bird, and they're like, really, Lord, why'd you have to bring the birds? (laughs) Oh, we got some bird bird We got some bird haters? You're welcome. I love it. Um, verse 21, you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So he he followed the instructions to a T, which, man, that's a lot of instructions. That's a lot. That's a it's lot. It's a lot. And sometimes, like, even in thinking of our trials, mm-hmm. like, God asks a lot of us. Yeah. And sometimes it's very specific. Yes. Sometimes it's... It's um, literally those those steps. Like yes. we're gonna do. You've got to do this, 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 and this. Yes. And it, but sometimes it's just like this overall picture of, hey, I'm I'm gonna tell you to do this, but we don't always get those steps. Right. Like if it's, I, I think so many people are like, I, I, I want to do God's will. Right. <laughs> so do I take this job? Right. Yeah. Y'all, the job doesn't freaking matter. No. Yep. If you're being obedient to God, you are loving God and loving others. That's right. That's His will for your life. That's right. So everything else gets caught in the weeds. Yep. Everything else is a decision of, um, am I being wise yes. in this decision? Yes. 
Um, maybe it is you, you're questioning, do I move to another city? Do yes. I, like I said, take this job? Do I go to this school or that school? Yes. Do I go to um, this church or that church? Do I say yes or do I say no? If you are loving God and loving people, yep. you are in, you are doing God's will. That's right. That's the bottom line line of it all. That's right. We don't always get this picture picture perfect. Okay, today you're going to wake up and you're going to put on this suit and you're going to go for this interview. And if the interviewer asks this specific question, oh then your answer is yes, you take that job. Yes. It's not always like that. No. And sometimes that sucks because I sometimes need that. Oh, yeah. We, we want signs. Yeah. And and then sometimes we, we're not even wise enough to recognize the sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God's like... Uh, you don't even have faith to believe the sign I sent. Yeah. 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 But I think you're right, Jenny. I think that um, God is such a God of detail and he cares about the details of our lives. But we think it's these little minuscule things. Yeah. And he's going to the details I care about are how are you caring for your neighbor? Mm-hmm. How are you loving? How are you loving your body, the yeah. temple? How are you taking care of yourself? How are you setting an example? you know, in your own self? And then how are you loving the people around you? How are you how are you taking care of them? That's the details I think he is so interested in. And, and then we think it's all these big, you know, whatever, I don't know, like, like, it's got to be a movie or something to, to, to be that big of a, you know, it's got to make that much, you know, Mm -hmm. fireworks or something and God's just going I'm looking for you to be faithful and when you are faithful I will give you more clarity yes I'll give you just enough light for the step you're on amen always Mm -hmm. oh my gosh we say that so much to each other Mm -hmm. over our lives and you know what sometimes are you gonna lose money and make stupid choices yeah was God in that yeah yes yes absolutely are you going to be in the wrong relationship and get your heart broken yeah yep was God in that yeah, if you let him be, <laughs> that's right. That's was right. he in the was he in the um, rescue of you in that? That's absolutely. right. Absolutely, he's not causing the sin. No. Whatever it is, whatever you know, that's not what we're saying. But is he with you in it? You bet. Mm-hmm. And and will he allow you sometimes to go through things that you're like, no, but I thought God told me this. Maybe maybe God did tell you. Yeah, that like it. God's never going to tell you to sin. No. Okay. If you come to me, I've had so many women through the years. Oh, I just, uh, just going to move in with my boyfriend. Like, no, Mm-mm. God did not tell you to move in with your boyfriend. No, he did not. That That is sinful. We know that. God did not tell you to go to a bar and get drunk. Mm-hmm. No, come on. Like, God did not tell you to scream and cuss at your kid, right. Jessica. <laughs> uh, you know, like, no, we know when, when we are trying to justify our own sin mm-hmm. and our own sin nature. But there are times that God will allow us to go through some hard stuff because He's going, yeah, we got to learn that. Yeah, we got to get that one refined. He, he will use it all, all of it. He does not cause it all. Mm-hmm. But he will use it all. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. I want to say let's go into chapter seven. I want to read a couple yep. verses because it says, "Here we go." Some more repetition. The Lord then said to Noah, "Go into the ark." you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Like Jenny said earlier, uh, Noah, his whole family gets exemption because of his righteousness. Mm -hmm. 
Man. You think that you can't be a cycle breaker in your family and you're the only one. Nobody else gets it. Nobody else serves the Lord. There could be mercies granted over your family because of your faithfulness and righteousness before the Lord. That's right. It matters. Stay faithful. Okay, verse chapter 7, verse 2. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. Also, seven of every kind of bird, male and female, blah, 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 to keep their various kinds separate, blah, 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 uh, throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I've made. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Okay, I want to say this part about uh, clean and unclean, and he said bring two of every kind, and now he's saying seven. A lot of commentators believe the seven of every kind was probably um, for food for some of the animals. And for sacrifice. And for sacrifices. That's the other part of it. Yes, for sacrifices. So God had not yet uh, told his people, he, first of all, he had not created a nation that he was in covenant relationship with right. yet. That comes later. That comes uh, through Moses. Actually, it comes through Abraham. But the the clean and unclean come through Moses at Sinai. That's what I was trying to say. God has a relationship with, uh, creates a covenant through Abraham. And Abraham is actually one of the descendants, obviously, of, of Noah. One of his great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren is Abraham. And that's where God uh, creates his covenant with Abraham and Abraham's descendants. And there we have the nation of Israel. And then later comes Moses, because the Israelites are in slavery, and then God frees them through through Moses' leadership, and then God gives Moses a bunch of commands on Mount Sinai, this mountaintop, uh, and he gives them this, um, you can eat these things, these are clean, these are good, these are acceptable, you can sacrifice these things to me uh, for sin offerings, for all these different reasons, um, and these are the things that are unclean. Don't eat these, do not do not eat these animals. Mm-hmm. Pigs, you know, like some of you guys understand what kosher food is what's kosher what's not so that that comes later mm-hmm. so when we're here in the in the book of genesis and we're in the story of noah dietary restrictions um were not part of the clean unclean conversation yet right it wasn't part of their culture it wasn't part of that's right their that's vocabulary right. so if you get tripped up there it what the clean and unclean had to do with the sacrifices this is acceptable to god to be sacrificed so when this is being written it's kind of with the with the um knowledge of someone who knows the language of clean and unclean yes but in the original correct. when it was happening correct that was not something that noah would have said right this is clean this is unclean right. he probably knew he had probably had a list right and the uh the translator probably was like we're not listing all these <laughs> which i'm kind of glad but also i need a list <laughs> Right. Totally. I need more information. So this is where Bible details, again, where Jenny was saying, like the facts can sometimes just jack you up if you're just so fact-oriented. Again, look for the truth. What's the truth? The truth was... Uh, they didn't have dietary restrictions because they weren't eating meat yet. Right. First of all, they weren't even eating meat. Um, and, and and so this, the clean, unclean was, as Jenny said, this, this is a list of acceptable 
sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to Cain and Abel yeah. bringing their sacrifices before God. Yeah. Uh, one being acceptable, one being detestable. So, um, okay, so just wanted to kind of clear that up and say this is where you can get confused. You don't have to. Though. Right, yeah. You, you, can, you can work your way through, I promise. No, yeah. If I can, anybody can. <laughs> oh, me too. Okay, so we're in seven. We just finished up with five that Noah did all the Lord commanded. Now we're um, in six. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. So it took about a year for him to... No, no, no. Yeah, a year. Mm-hmm. Well, because it said he was 500, wasn't it? He was 500 when he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, so... So then 100 yeah. years passes, and then we're here. Okay. Yes, so you're right, one year. So 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean animals, blah, 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 blah. They all came, they entered. Um, and then after the seventh day, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forward, forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Mm -hmm. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves around along the ground according to its kind, and every bird, here we go again, Mm -hmm. according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded them. Then the Lord shut him in. Mm. I have always loved that. Yeah. Because when I shut myself in, and I'm a recluse, mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm an introvert. So whenever I need to refuel, I need time alone. Yeah. When I shut myself in, mm. I can go dark. Sure. Me too. And I can get in my own head. Mm-hmm. I can stay in my my downward downward spiral. Totally. And it's it's not beneficial to anybody yeah when god shuts you in Ooh, come on dad gum that is like mm-hmm. i'm protecting you yes come on i and i i've kind of feel like this for the quarantine of um 2020 oh my gosh yes i have always felt like god shut us in yes he shut us down yes to protect us from whatever wherever we were headed that's right oh come on he protected us from his own wrath from a lot of things and yes i know there was a lot of death going on and there was a lot of uh, mental health issues that just came to the forefront i know a lot of things happen but the overall thing i see that god did in that specifically and in a lot of trials in my life yeah he shut us in to protect us amen, and to provide for us Yes, because he was getting rid of the destruction around us that we didn't even see. Yes. Noah wasn't privy to all of that stuff that God saw. No. I'm sure he saw a lot of it and saw the effects of it. But when God shut you in, hold on. That's right. Hold, Don't oh. be mad about it. Oh, that's <laughs> Even so though sometimes we are. Good. Just hold on. Oh, sister, that's so good. Okay. Um, what I love, too, is it, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And anytime you see the number 40 in Scripture, yes, was... we, we love this. Uh, it means it always means a time of testing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it's 40 days and 40 nights, man. Th- this was a time of testing. And, and, you know, we see it in the New Testament when Jesus uh, went away and fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. Sometimes uh, we will take that 40 days before Easter called Lent, and we will fast for 40 days. And if you don't know what a fast is, you are depriving your body of something physically, some kind of, uh, sometimes it can be a, a food, an absolute, you're going to do an absolute fast. You're not going to eat. Um, and, and it may not be 40 whole days. It may be a shorter time period. But typically when we do a food fast for 40 days, we're, we're eliminating certain foods, right. choice meats, certain things like this. Like we're going to eat the Daniel plan. We're going to eat only fruits and vegetables. And, and maybe if we eat any meat, it's lean. It may be one type of fish or something yeah, like right, that. Right. Um, and so, but we are fasting because we are focusing on God and that He is our provision, that He is our living bread, that He is our, um, our living water, you know, that He is our everything, our sustenance. And so whenever we're looking at this 40 days and 40 nights, it is so significant to trials. Mm-hmm. And here's this flood water and these animals. And Noah has got to feel as a human, like literally the weight of the world rests on his shoulders and he has absolutely no control whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes how dependent he is on God. And had he ever been in a boat before? No. Like he was a farmer, right? <laughs> right. And so we know like in the New Testament, these guys are fishermen. They're right. always on the boat. Right. But this guy, like, I mean, have you ever been on a boat and you're, it's so rocky and you're oh. like, it's going to capsize. It's got, I mean, he yes. must, I would have been terrified and I can't swim. So like, I am like, I'm holding my breath as I'm talking, like I'm reading yes. this. I'm like, yes, I can feel the floodwaters. Yes. You know, totally. Totally, absolutely, all of no control. Yeah, no control whatsoever. And boy, when you're in that scenario, how quickly do you get perspective on who God is? Oh man, I mean, nothing does that to me quicker than being in a scenario where I have absolutely no control over outcomes. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so small, and God is everything. Yeah, He is everything. He is so big, and our perspective is so clear in those moments. And as hard as they are, they're worth going through to see Him. Yeah. Just to see Him that way. And and I, I wrote some things, too, here in my notes about um, the fact that after it stops raining, well, the the floodwaters are over the earth, you mm-hmm. know? And even if you don't believe this uh, account as absolute fact— uh, there are so many um, writings, historical writings across tons of, of ethnicities, uh, of different tribal groups that have a similar flood story mm-hmm. as part of their um, ancient history, which points to the fact that there was probably a flood yeah. in history with so many people groups, um, uh, ancient you know peoples who have written about this, the there's truth here mm-hmm. that there was a flood and it affected people and and they were shut up in that boat not for 40 days or 40 no. nights but for close to a year mm-hmm. a year in a boat with just them i mean a year is long enough that uh his kids could have had babies oh yeah we don't know the, those animals could have had babies that's right we have no idea yeah we don't we don't know but but I, I got to thinking, like, 
one year shut into your saving grace can also feel like a prison. Okay. So when I was looking at the number 40. Come on. Because I I looked that up too. um, It's mentioned 146 times in the Bible. Mm. And it does symbolize a period of testing, trial, or probation. Uh Uh-huh. And I thought about that word when we said prison. You know, sometimes when you're out on probation, it feels like its own prison. Yeah. Um, I've never been on probation, but I hear. <laughs> and I watch a lot of uh, uh, On Patrol Live, and so... Yeah. <laughs> We've seen a lot of ankle bracelets. Yeah. But she, <laughs> back whenever we were young and um, and probably were at bars on Friday nights, one time our friend who was a missionary got thrown into jail. Another story yeah. for another time. And we called Jenny because we knew she would have beer money. I mean, bail money. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so, sure enough, she bailed our friend, our missionary friend out of jail with her uh, tithe money. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> and she did not have to wear an ankle bracelet. She did not we'll have to wear an that. ankle bracelet. But it's true. But it feels it feels like that. And I just think like in life in general, when most people go through a midlife crisis, what year is it around? 40. It's around about 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And so there's such even significance in that in today's life. Absolutely. Whether that's like you know, you have the affair or oh. you get the motorcycle or the sports car <laughs> right? or the you, tattoo that, yeah. yeah. Or you like dye your hair. If you've never done that, you rebel in some way, right. but there's this like midlife crisis and it's mm-hmm. 40 and it feels like I don't it, there. I think that there's no coincidence in that. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. 40 is a big deal. It is. We all know it is. Yeah. Some of y'all throw parties and throw yourself parades and make your own logos. Yeah. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> you know, some of us go into our caves and, and are sad and depressed for a while yeah. and lie and tell people we're perpetually 36. Mm-hmm. So I also, uh-huh. when looking at the number 40, I have never heard it stated like this. Okay. The number 40 is also um, can be uh, correlated with new life, mm. new growth, mm-hmm. transformation, and a change from one great task to another. Yes, and absolutely. I love that. So, like in all the references of forty, especially like in this one right here with forty yes. days and forty nights. Yes, it's all of those things. Yes, it's trial, it's tribulation, it's you're you don't know, you feel like you're on probation, testing, you're it's testing, it's testing, absolutely, but also like. It's, it's you're being led into new life. Oh, transformation. Transformation. Come on. That, that is good, Jennifer. I love that. Even oh, for the animals. So good. I mean, oh my gosh, yes. You know how many butterflies could be on there? Yeah, here's a brand new <laughs> earth. When it, yeah. it talks about the violence of men on the earth, you know that that means that the earth it was, was hurt. Yeah. That God's creation, his created beings were hurting his creation, the earth. Mm -hmm. And so now these animals get to come out and even the earth is transformed. I mean, literally now it rains. Yeah. Like it's, it's like the atmosphere is transformed. So that is incredible. Um, so whenever we're going, when we're shut up in the ark, I've got some questions. Okay. Okay. How often are we being saved from something horrific and yet we're still longing to be out there in the horror again? Well, because we're used to the comfort of it. We already yeah. know what that's like. Yeah. Even if it's miserable, sometimes you're comfortable in your misery and something new is so scary because you don't know what to anticipate. Right. So you're like, I'm just going to hold on to this. Right. Because I, at least I know what to expect. Right. This is the crazy or the chaos I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. 
this is so convicting for me because I mean, how often do we do that? Yeah. Like God's like, no, 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 no. That was so violent. I'm protecting you. And you're just wishing, just open the door. Just let me out. Just let me out. Just let me out. And he's like, I am protecting you, dummy. Yeah. I feel like when the Holy Spirit talks to me a lot of times and the Holy Spirit has, Holy Spirit has had it with me oh, and, same. and Holy Spirit gets to that place with me. Holy Spirit just says dummy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy Spirit's like, I've tried love, child, all the sweet little names. I get you knucklehead. You knucklehead. <laughs> I get you dummy. Um, okay. So here's something else I got to thinking about. There is something holy in the mundane Mm-hmm. Think about being shut up in that ark for a year and the tasks, the daily tasks would have been the same. You're shoveling poop, I guess. And you're, you know, you're just, just the same mundane things over and over. And we can be in cycles of that in our own lives, the mundane every day, um, especially like for us moms when school starts and it's up early every day and it's lunches and it's, you know, it's homework after school and it's, you know, shuffling kids around and it's just getting bedtimes going and back to the grocery store and back to making breakfast and lunch. And here we go. And the mundane can just about kill us oh, yeah. it feels like um but there is holiness in those mundane activities that i think so often we are overlooking that god's going do you see me in this mm-hmm. can you see me even in these things that you find minuscule and debilitating and i am i'm still here and if you'll reach for me i'll show you new things mm-hmm. um because his ultimate plan for good is being played out inch by inch in your housework. Oh, yeah. Um, your job maybe outside your house that maybe doesn't even feel that fulfilling, but it's fulfilling some financial necessity. And so the Lord is fulfilling purpose in that. Maybe it's in your grocery getting, your diaper changing, your kids chauffeuring, just the everyday ordinary things God is doing his goodness, mm-hmm. his protective um, just provision for you in that. Um, his call to you is to be faithful to him, not to come work for him. As you said, it's not about producing for him. Mm-hmm. It's not about performing for him. His call is to know him. Yeah. And as boring as it can be, I can see him very clearly when I look for him in the mundane. And I bet a year on that ship, on that ark, was mundane. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but it was smelly. Ugh, so smelly. Okay, so we get to Genesis chapter 8. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite things that happens is they finally exit the ark there's some birds we're not going to even bother you with that because we are bird haters apparently (laughs) and you're already triggered but you can read that for yourself in genesis chapter 7 chapter 8 but in uh, chapter 8 verse 20 it says okay so noah and his family have exited the ark and it says then noah built an altar to the lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds he sacrificed burnt offerings on it and the lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart never again will i curse the ground because of man even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood and never again will i destroy all living creatures as i have done as long as this earth endures seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter day and night 
will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, just as he said at the beginning of creation, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And I think that's so beautiful that the first thing that Noah, this righteous man, did when he was allowed off the ark was to to make sacrifices to the Lord, mm-hmm. just to make an altar, just a, a thank you, maybe, just a, God, I recognize your hand. Um, it wasn't a sin offering. It was just a, just an offering of thanks. And how often do we miss the opportunity to just build our own offerings of, of thanks to the Lord, right? Where we come to Him with our petitions, you know, oh, God, please do this. God, please do that. And instead, it's just like, why don't we just bring the sacrifice of praise mm-hmm. and thanks and gratitude for a God who has provided for us in the miraculous um, and even in the mundane. Yeah. Like when there's great flood waters or when it's just the little water that is still tripping you up. Yeah. Right? Sometimes it doesn't even have to be a whole flood to drown us. Oh, no. <laughs> it can be five inches of water. <laughs> exactly. Well, and too, in thinking like he had the animals there. He, the sacrifice was provided. Yeah. God always provides the sacrifice. Always. We oh. just have to do the act mm. and be obedient. And so God told him all these things, like he, an exact number yeah. of how to bring, of what to bring on the yes. ark. Yeah. And so who knows if they were down to their last, I don't know, pigeon or right. muskrat, whatever it was. Right. Whatever it was, he had it to sacrifice because God right. provided it for him. That's right. Oh, I know. And and right there, in the sacrifice of an animal, it's atonement. Mm-hmm. And again, just the picture that uh, you go to back to Genesis chapter 3, and Adam and Eve have sinned, and, and they recognize they're naked, and God kills an animal. It's the first time an animal had been killed, and He kills first the First bloodshed. Anim- first bloodshed, so that He can take their skin and make clothing to cover Adam and Eve, that's atonement, the covering. And now Noah exits the ark and he builds this altar and he he sacrifices and kills an animal unto the Lord to cover he and his family as a way of saying, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your hand in our life. Uh, Thank you for covering our sin. Mm -hmm. You know, thank you, Lord. And again, this atonement picture and and God's going, and this is why I saved mankind because I have a plan for your ultimate atonement that's going to come um, and set things right. And it's going to be through Jesus. And mm-hmm. they could never have even imagined at that time that that's what was happening. But um, what's really special, too, is what happens in Genesis chapter 9 um, in verse 3. Genesis 9, 3 says, every creature, this is God talking to Noah. He said, every creature that lives and moves will be food for you. As I gave the green plants... I have given you everything. In other words, I told you to eat from the green plants. Mm -hmm. Now I'm telling you that every creature that moves is now food for you. Mm -hmm. So in his provision is this blessing, Mm -hmm. which I just think is so beautiful and so like God to be like, hey, I know you've been through it. And and there's been a lot of loss and destruction. And and, and now here's something else. Here, here's a blessing. And I also love that um, God justifies the fact that I eat meat well done, and I get shamed <laughs> for it in fancy restaurants. But in Genesis 9-4, he says, but you must not eat meat that still has its lifeblood in it. That's right. So That's right. for all you rare and medium rare, 
you're unholy. <laughs> <laughs> and my well done self has favor. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Oh my gosh. Of course, we're kidding. Yeah. And uh, and and food is neither in our Christian no. belief. If you were Jewish, then then your 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 faithfulness to this is different. Mm-hmm. It looks like mm-hmm. than ours. But our calling as Christians is there's there's no clean or unclean anymore. Okay, because um, we're we have freedom in Christ. That's right. So. Uh, I mean, don't do crack. Crack is whack. Crack, crack is whack. Crack is unclean. Um, so I guess we should end this probably not talking about crack, but <laughs> maybe we should end this in, Jenny, why don't you read Genesis nine twelve through 17. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters come, or the, will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Where do you want me to stop? 17. Okay. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all of life on the earth. Oh my gosh, I love it. And then Genesis nine twenty eight said, uh, so Noah's life lasted 950 years and then he died. Um, and, and we know that after kind of Noah's generation, then uh, generations of people did not live as long. Um, but I, I love that Jesus um, is already depicted here this this promise of something th- to come, right? Mm-hmm. That God's already saying, like, my promises are 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 just withstanding time and space, and He's like making this covenant to the people already, and He says, my covenant with you. Mm-hmm. It's not our covenant with Him. He put that rainbow in the clouds as His covenant with us, and and that's His reminder. To himself and to us, not that God forgets, right. but that He acts or doesn't act upon those things. Mm-hmm. When any time that you see in Scripture where it says God remembered, it's not because God forgot. What that translates to is God, and then God acted on behalf of. Right. And so when He sees that rainbow, He acts on our behalf. He is not going to wipe us all out again because He is looking at that and remembering and thinking on His covenant. Yeah. And he is going to be faithful to the things that he says he's going to do. Absolutely. And, and he had a plan. He's looking at that rainbow and he's going, oh, you just you just wait for the covenant I'm actually going to bring you. Mm-hmm. You just wait. It's coming. He's coming. Like the, the thing, the atonement that you can't, and I'm not going to wipe you out because he's coming. No. He's coming. And I love that. And people, Jenny and I have talked a lot about uh, it's Pride Month in the month of um of June, and we see a lot of the LBGTQ community and and their use of the rainbow, and people are so hot on the topic, and it's it, you know everybody gets so mad because they've stolen the rainbow, and I'm like they can't steal the rainbow, and shame on you if you think they can. Yeah. You don't know the word of God. You Christian, stop saying that. Yeah. They cannot steal the rainbow. Nobody can. No. They're not trying to anyway. It, it, like they're. They're, they're, they've got their own agenda, their own thoughts, their own hearts, their own histories. But what I'm saying is in Scripture, that rainbow is God's covenant mm-hmm. 
to us. God's covenant that covers all of us. That's right. All of our sins. All of us. It, he's covering all of our wickedness and saying, I'm not going to wipe y'all out like that again. And so it, it can't be stolen because it's not ours to take. Right. It's not theirs to take. This is God's covenant. So put your baby in the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Where the rainbow is, that is God's sign of God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's righteousness, God's covenant with us as human beings. Yeah. So love God, love people. Love God and love people. And when you're going through the flood, and, and, and you will, mm-hmm. and you might get shut up in the ark, and you might, God might call you into some isolation with a very small group of people to help you get through it. Yeah. And that's okay. That is okay. There's still going to be growth. And when you come out, there's going to be beautiful color around mm-hmm. you. There's going to be new growth. There's going to be new blessing, new calling. Yes. There's going to there's going to be new again. Yeah. He will make all things new. So you can hang on. That's right. You can do it because he is good and faithful. He is so faithful. So, thank you for coming to yes. VBS today. We hope you enjoyed your your water story. Blue ocean waters <laughs> and your baby sharks. <laughs> So we're not even going to tell y'all what we're going to do next time. So you got to join us for VBS week three. That's right. We're so excited. So see you next week. Love y'all. Love y'all. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for sharing your time with us. You can follow us on Instagram at jenandjuice.ig and on Facebook at jenandjuice. And I'm Jenny. You can follow me on Instagram at jennyhill.ig. That's Jenny with the J and an I. And I'm Juice, a.k.a. Jessica. You can follow me on Instagram at jessicaphillips.ig. We can't wait to meet you here again next week as we continue these conversations where, as always, we're here to help a sister and brother out.